You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Inez Del Castillo. She is an actor, writer, and director who I was introduced to by my good friend Alejandro Rodriguez, who was on episode one. She's so much fun and has an amazing positive energy. You can check out what she's up to at InezDelCastillo.com. And I hope you enjoy the 153rd episode of The Compass. Fine further well, dark side. Say, the follow-up question usually is <laughs> yeah. what does the dark side look like for you most often? Like when I say that, okay. what do you picture? Because it's a little different for everybody. But mm. I feel like everybody thinks of something when I say it. Has one. Um Okay, so when you the first reaction that I had when you said dark side mm-hmm. was Darth Vader. <laughs> and <laughs> And, you know, um, and uh, I feel like the dark side for me is uh, feeling, like, futile. Like, I don't often think about quitting, but I do think that I think about, like, get hard on myself. Like, I'm dumb. I, like, this, like this is stupid, I have nothing to offer, what am I doing? I'm going to keep doing it because I'm too hard-headed to do otherwise, but, like, (laughs) what is happening? Um, And and then, like, on a further note of um, getting, like, out of the flow. So when I'm, like, in a space of not doing things from my artist heart and doing things from, like, my ego place of, like, I'm going to get all this crap done because, like, com- competition or, and like, I need to be famous and I need to make tons of money and and that doesn't feel nice to work from that space. So what do I do to not go there? First, sometimes I just go there. <laughs> For a few days and, and like, park it, you know? Um, and I don't think that's to be underestimated. Um, I've gotten nicer to myself about when I do go there. And um, I, I think it's really, like, the little things that help keep it from that. Like, Recently, I've started doing this thing where every time when I wake up, I do, I just name five things that I'm grateful for in the morning. And it's crazy, but it's like, man, I have awesome sheets or like my bed is amazing. And not everybody has one of those, you know? And so like just that little, it's like tiny little things that keep it going, you know? Do you, I feel like you have a tiny little thing (laughs) in your mind. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I haven't stuck to it like a busy everything. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy to take a fairly comfortable life for granted. Oh, yeah. Especially in this country. Especially. Yeah. Um, I think the past few years have really made a difference in my life because I've been doing um, a lot of spiritual work. So the five things is new, but uh, as of a few years ago, I started doing like a guided vis- visualization in the morning, one in the evening. Is that kind of like a meditation? Yeah, but um, I'm actually, meditation is like, I need to work on that more because I'm not so good at just sitting with myself. I like to have the training wheels of like a voice in my ears being like, now you're relaxing or 
now see yourself accomplishing what you want to accomplish or whatever it is, but it's somebody else telling, kind of walking you through it. So I, I, I call it training wheels, I guess, but, um, (laughs) that's great. Um, and I've, I journal when I can, that helps me a lot. Um, I read a lot of fantasy and (laughs) sci-fi. I'm telling you, it's like, it's so weird, but the more I'm like growing, I guess, the more I'm realizing it's like, so the little things, you know, like, like getting outside in nature is huge it's enormous my nephews help so much yeah it's just like those it's just like having a life outside that like anything that reminds you even walking over here I looked up at the sky and I was like oh my god the moon looks amazing and there's a planet and I was like oh I gotta ask my brother what planet is in the sky tonight and I'm like cool I can see this from New York you know it's just like Yes, yeah. Which is not something I used to do. Yeah. And I'm not enjoying, you know, being outside when it's dark briefly on that walk or whatever. Yeah. I did that too. I, I used to always be on my phone from my walk from the train to my apartment. And I I stopped. <laughs> Unless it's like something, you know, in particular. But I've stopped. A few years ago, I also stopped um, when I jog. I don't have music on. Mm. And I just do like affirmations in my mind, you know. And I've started to, like, even just, like, having fun with it. Like, the other day, my husband and I, he's also an actor, and we were walking in the woods, and I just started going, like, Mr. Ojeda, now that you've won whatever award. And, like, like an, like a freaking, like, five-year-old. Who cares? It was so much fun. We were, like, interviewing each other when we win awards and whatever. And it's, like, those little things that, like, connect you to everything around you are just like so helpful to remember that there's like a universe outside <laughs> of like my own <laughs> mental thing. Well, that's what's so hard with this career is it's very easy since the thing you're using for your work is yourself mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm. It's easy to focus in very small all the time mm-hmm. on this business and all the time yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think to our our culture, you know, of like, I don't really do social media anymore because every time I went on Instagram or um, Facebook or something, it's again, like people are just putting up the very best, you know, and that gets really hard because I just think like, it's easy to forget that like everybody fights with their family or like, I don't know, has like physical insecurity, you know, like that's hard to remember when every picture is like my butt is on point and my my biceps are great and like I don't know look at this huge rant I don't know whatever it is you know so (laughs) um okay well since we don't know each other that well yet Mm -hmm. yet um I kind of want to hear a little bit about like your background and where you've come from I know you went to NYU I did um in New Jersey kind of nearby yeah Oh, how do you, how do you know so much? So, oh, I grew up near Asbury Park. Okay, cool. Um, My husband and I have gone to Ocean Grove a few times. Yeah, man, that's where I love to go walking. Yeah, I love Ocean Grove. Um, I, I actually went walking on the boardwalk there the other day, and I was like, this is amazing. It's a beautiful, weird little place. It really is. National Geographic wrote about it, by the way. Really? That's how weird it is. Yes, it's great. Um, I know. Side note, go Google Ocean Grove. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was Ocean Grove. Um, oh, yeah, so where am I from? I was, uh, I was born in Puerto Rico. My dad is half Dominican, half Puerto Rican. My mom is Dominican, raised in New Jersey. But my brother and I always say that we're like half generation because all my extended family is still in the Caribbean. And um, like we always spoke Spanish at home and... Um, we'd go every summer and yeah, for like, for a good stretch there, I'd go for like a month in the summers. So I, like my mom wanted me to learn Spanish and all this stuff. Um, but I think just like culturally my parents came already as adults and as professionals. So 
we just were always very instilled with our like Caribbean culture. There wasn't, you know, it's not like in the fifties or even like recent until recently where people were like, like the, the Spanish was literally like slapped out of them or something like that. Like we were always raised very proud of where we came from. And also my, um, both my grandparents on both sides were, were, um, revolutionaries against the dictators. So like there was a lot of like cultural things with what my grandparents did to fight the dictator and all that. Um, yeah. And so then I grew up in Jersey. Uh, I always have to say now that that Jersey Shore show came out, like not like the show, (laughs) not that Jersey Shore, but I did grow up like outside a little tomboy running around in the woods And then I went to NYU, but I didn't really, like, find my place there, and... But you went for acting. But I went for acting. Um, I went... My track was, um, like, NYU has studios, the way, like, Hogwarts has houses kind of thing. I never know how to, like, explain. And, um... My studio is Playwrights Horizons, and they specifically worked on devised theater, so my, like, like... I, I think on my diploma, maybe <laughs> like the official thing is creating original work. That was my track. I don't know if it, don't quote me on that. I'd have to go check. I don't remember. I don't, nah, doesn't matter. Um, and then since then I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was just like doing theater jobs and I had gone back home and most, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I started working in the theater, and then I realized I wanted to focus on TV film, and so here I am. <laughs> now. <laughs> um, but you're also a writer, right? True statement. <laughs> can, I, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, when did you start writing? Uh, I think when I was a kid. Um, really? Oh. Oh, maybe you will. Well, this is this is you're a creator in your own right with the podcast. Um, I've always written. I've always been a total book nerd, like complete and utter. That's also from my grandparents. Both my grandfathers were writers. Total nerd, total nerd. Um, and I always wrote like poetry and journaled and all that stuff. And then when I got to school, I started writing plays. And now I've written like I don't sing but I've written a song I wrote like a play with music even though I again cannot sing for the life of me I'm writing a book why I don't know but absolutely it's a sci-fi book it is totally a sci-fi book um yeah that's actually one of the things that keeps me from the dark side is I I always say like for some reason, when I write, like things just start to flow. I can't explain it, but it's like I'll, st- I'll sit down to write one day. Because, uh, by the way, I'm not like disciplined in any sort of way with my writing. It's just like an idea will come and I'll just write. And I have like three things in the air right now that I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to finish them. Well, but oh, more, yeah, like yeah. six months, and then I'll come back and write away, whatever. But whenever I do write, it's insane how like I'll just be writing and then I'll get like an email like oh you booked whatever or like come audition it's bizarre I don't know how to explain it yep yeah I know why just do that thing it's like everything is reverse psychology but yeah yeah Mm-hmm. That nobody has to give you permission to do. Exactly. Like when you're not in a play or when you're not booking something else. You know? Exactly. And then, you know, my brain gets preoccupied with like, oh, what if this happened? And like, what if, oh my God. And then I don't know sometimes if it's just that t- like time relatively starts to fly by and maybe it, it's the same amount of time between booking something or whatever, but I just didn't feel it because my heart was someplace else. And so then when it happens, it's like a surprise, you know? Um, can I ask a little bit about like how you piece together 
Yes. Please ask away anything, Leah. Um, yes. I should say that, thank God, and knock on all of the wood around here, that this year and the year past have been very good, and I've been piecing things together, mostly with voiceover and booking other things. Yeah. But that's new. And that might also go away. So, nah. So, um, this has been kind of a journey for me, as I'm, I'm sure for everyone. But um, one, not never underestimate that I'm so privileged to have my family nearby, and that helps a lot. Like, if I need to get out of town, I don't have to spend a lot of money. My mom constantly would buy me stuff from, like, BJ's, so now I have a Costco membership and all that. So, like, those things are, like, really, really helpful, you know. Um, and just to have resources nearby if I need help or whatever, my brother and, and all that. Um, I got a, I'm certified as a translator and interpreter and editor again with the nerdy book stuff. So, um, that was kind of a nice stepping stone. I never really pursued it too much, but it gave me like some nice income. Was it very involved to get certified? Um, not very involved. It was actually more involved to get clients. Because it's still a freelance job. So I kind of realized quickly, this is cool, but it would take the energy that it would take to get the clients. I'd rather reserve that for the energy that it takes to just be in this business anyway. Um, And, you know, I've done babysitting. I've done like random gigs. um, I've done tutoring. And so for a while it was kind of that and it wasn't making enough. So then um, I... I well, I have to say, like one of my first big jobs was working off Broadway at the Spanish Repertory. So that was a really great stepping stone because that was always like, you know, you're not making bank, but you had like pretty regular performances that would bring in some money. So so everything has been kind of like a mosaic economically since I've come to the city, where like there's always multiple pieces, and then as I've grown, they've kind of shifted. And some go away and new ones come in. So that was for a while. And then I found catering because I I just was never cut out to be a waitress. And the few experiences I had were just, yeah, they were hard. They were horrible. And like always laced with race stuff that was super awkward and weird and classed. It was just uh, horrendous. So I made a pact to myself. I was like, you're going to make it work, but you're not going to be a waitress to make it work because I just I got to draw a line someplace (laughs) and for some people yeah for some people it works gloriously not pop pour moi so (laughs) so then um I had catering and catering really was the thing that I think again this situation could change but in the past few years that has helped me kind of get to a new place because um I didn't have to work during the day, so I could leave that for auditioning. And um, it was like, it, I think it's like the best money per hour that you can get for the amount of involvement that it requires. Um, because I would just show up and like, yes, yeah, we'll treat you crappy, but like, there's not like there's nothing. You don't have to get emotionally involved. No, there's no like skin. In, I can also I would get callbacks or like an audition back. I can't come in today, and they would maybe get pissy. But you're just a body. There's like 20 other people to replace you. Yeah. Whereas with waitressing for me, it was way more stressful because I'm like, if I'm if I miss that shift, like I'm gonna screw somebody over. Okay. Catering? No, dude. It doesn't freaking matter. Like <laughs> nobody cares that you were not there. You know. So that was great. That really. Um, generally, yeah, it had seasons. So what I started to do, the thing that like came in with all of that is that I'm also, I love organization. And so as I've grown, I've also organized my finances better. And so I started to learn, like after the first year, I was like, oh crap, catering has definite seasons. So I need to make sure that in these amount of months, I make enough money to support me through these amount of months. You know, and so planning for that really helped. And then if I had something like I got like a sweet gig or something, you know, like a one a one off, like, oh, shoot, I'm about to make a couple thousand bucks, you know, whatever. 
I would put that into savings because I would know like this is my rainy day fund. This is not to be spent right now. This is like the universe telling me here, my child, my daughter, you know, like good work. And that way I had it so that if I didn't get those shifts that I needed, I wasn't freaking out. Um, and so then from there I booked like a few, uh, voiceover things that really helped. And then people start calling me back. And that has been what kind of has brought me to a new horizon. <laughs> you know. Tell me about the voiceover stuff. Like, yeah. I know for a lot of people I've talked to, mm-hmm. voiceovers are like weirdly hard to get into. Yes, I don't have a good answer for this because <laughs> I stumbled I stumbled ass backwards. Can I curse on here? I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Um, into voiceover. I have to be very honest. Um, also, the fact that I speak Spanish makes a lot of that much easier. Um, I say much easier. I mean, it gives me more options because, you know, the Spanish speaking required a lot of bullying growing up and a lot of hard work back then. So now it's paying off now. So it's not that like, it's like, oh, I'm walking in the park. I talk Spanish, you know. So, (laughs) but it does make a difference because there's a high demand for Spanish and not as many people to fill it. Also, to be completely honest, um, I'm very fluent in Spanish. And a lot of people that speak Spanish at home are not that fluent. They're, they're like conversational. And so there's a difference with that because I can narrate full books in Spanish, whereas some people might not be able to actually pull off, you know, eight hours of narration and without an accent coming through. And if you're selling it to a Hispanic audience, they're going to pick up on that, you know? So, um, yeah, the voiceover, uh, basically I, I, so I got the meeting because I'm a Spanish speaker. And when I showed up, my agent was like, oh, you speak English. I was like, yeah, I do a little bit, you know. <laughs> so that started. And again, like this has been years of um, relationship building because, you know, I have a raspy voice and it's deeper for a woman, but I still kind of sound like a 13-year-old boy. And like, so for a while, I was kind of like, he also like didn't know where to put me vocally because like you don't want me for like, I don't freaking know, like Pantene. I don't know. You know, like there's like a certain thing that you want me for. And so it took a little bit to kind of calibrate or like just to get to know each other, yeah. really. And then, like I said, I, I booked. Um, is this separate from your commercial agent or is it all the same? They're, in the, they're separate agents, but they're in the same agency. Um, and um, but I don't really book commercial that much. That's like one of my giant insecurities. I'm like, nobody wants me for commercials. Um, but so I booked an ADR gig and ADR for anybody who like doesn't know or isn't into voiceover is, um, there's two types of ADR. So when you film something and one of your lines got messed up, they're going to call you back in to, to do your line. And forgive me if you already know this, but, um, but also for TV shows and movies, anybody who was like an extra or whatever, you know, if they didn't have a mic on production or during production, then they're going to want you to go back in and create like an ambient thing, you know. So like if we're in the movie, they might want a couple of voices from the street to come through to make it really real that we're in New York or whatever. And so I booked a gig like that. And that was a huge learning curve. But that was one of the things that there's like certain bookings throughout my career that have like brought me, you know, like to, to yeah, that led to other stuff. And so those were, that was one of the bookings that those people, I work with them consistently, not predictably, (laughs) but consistently. And that's been a huge boon to my career. Um, Yeah, it's just nice to have some sort of extra or steady income that's, mm -hmm. Right. Skills. Yeah. And you're with other actors. Of walking dogs or exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're with other actors. It's a SAG job. You're getting pension and health. Like th- these things are enormous once you're trying to like really make your life right. doing that, you know? Um, so that was one thing. And then from there it's kind of grown because I was like, shoot, man, like I'm getting voiceover stuff. I better be freaking grateful. Like I got to put money towards this. And so that was the other thing is budgeting has been a huge thing where, um, everybody has a different financial situation, you know, like what you start off with. And I, I started off with a very privileged situation from the get go. And that's, you know, 
you can't take that factor out of it. And so from there, I calculated how many hours of catering I needed to work a week. And I would stop myself at that because it, it got, I, I realized that it got very easy to get comfortable. Same thing when I worked at the Spanish repertory, it was like people would get comfortable because it's, it, it's so nice to know that you're going to have a check coming in and our industry is not like that. And it's like the human thing that you want some sort of consistency, but I would see people getting trapped and I was like, I cannot allow that. So I'm going to work exactly as many hours as I need to work. And once I hit that many hours, I'm not working past that unless there's like something specific that I'm saving up towards. And the rest of that time is going towards seeking out new jobs in, you know, under SAG contracts. Cause at least if it's not, if I'm not in front of the camera, you know, at least it's going to be paying me pen- pension and health and, and so good, good money. Yeah. Um, I send postcards to people. Um, I email like now that I, there's a few people that I work with consistently. I will email them or send them a postcard like every so often. Clients. Actual clients. Mm-hmm. Um, also casting directors. Um, I'll even email my agent sometimes and be like, I told them the, uh, at the beginning of this year, I was like, what are other ADR people in the city? Let me, let me talk to them. And I've emailed them and sent them my resume. No, nobody's called me in yet, but at least they responded and said, you know, we'll keep you in mind. Um, taking classes. I've taken a lot of voiceover class, or not a lot. I want to take more voiceover, but I've been taking voiceover classes. Um, I have an audiobook coach because audiobooks are this is one of those things that you'll hear it's very hard to get in, but it's actually one of the areas of voiceover that has the most opportunity. And I got an opportunity to do an audiobook and I was like, oh, okay, so one publisher already knows me. They already hired me. So now let me like get my ish together and make a reel and like just start emailing people. And I made a reel in Spanish. I made one in English. You start emailing people and then now people are calling me to do audiobooks Thank you. It is. Yeah, it's awesome. But because I went and I was like, you can't just sit on your laurels. Like some like the first audiobook was total mistake. Like I was like, how the hell did they give this to me? And I hear it back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this sounds awful. But then that now that I have the in and they know who I am. Then I was like, well, let me work with the audiobook coach. And then I was like, hey, I have this new demo. And then lo and behold, they call me back in because they're like, oh, this girl's like better now she doesn't she's not crap anymore you know and now they call me in so it's just like little things like that putting together um like constantly shifting the pieces and putting them together you know when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Yeah, but they, and they were also like, well, one was a lawyer, one was a doctor. Like they were real professionals. Um, I don't know that they know what to make of it. <laughs> They're very supportive. Um, my husband's an actor too, so he and I are really like a we're a team. Yeah. Um, thank God. And um, my brother's a psychologist, so he's. I feel like we're a good tag team. Like. We're on, on two sides of the same coin almost, yeah. you know? Yeah. The same yeah. It's funny. He'll come see my shows or like listen to something that I've done and he'll like psychoanalyze it. <laughs> He's like, I think this character, whatever, whatever. And so um, that's really cool. He's one of the most supportive people in my career. Yeah. And I'm lucky that my best friend from home is also an artist. So that kind of nucleus is awesome. Um, extended family. No one really gets it, but I don't, I, I've, I just have taken up a policy of like, you don't really need to know then. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, I've heard, I've heard it's like better to like 
teach the people around you about like the ups and downs of a an acting career but I'm like my there's no way that my parents understand if I I used to tell them when I had auditions and it was like nerve-wracking because they think of it the way you go to a job interview and they're like well did you get it and I'm like yeah I'm like you would know yes and in this industry if you're booking like one in 20 that's great stats that's not a stat that you normally hear in most other industries, or maybe it is, I could be wrong, but I don't think by and large. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I think exactly. I'm like, I think maybe like it might be a good stat for like finding that one job that you're going to stick with for 30 years. But like, we're talking about one in 20, you know, keep them coming, you know, anybody else is like, yeah, if I do one in 20 and then I, you know, stay there for the rest of my career, you know, that doesn't exist. So they don't get it, you know. Um, Do they come and see your stats? They do. That's why I'm like, they are supportive, even though they don't get what's going on. And the rest of my family, they're in the Caribbean and they're like crazy American cousin who gets to do whatever she wants because she lives in America or United States, you know, we're all American, but, um, um, you know, that's not even like a thing. <laughs> so, um, I have people close to me, like one of my cousins, like, again, everybody's very supportive. Nobody's like, ew, why would you do that? But, um, most of them, I don't really talk to them about what that entails. I think generally they, re- they respect, they're like, oh, I-, I can see that you work hard. They're not like questioning. Yeah. Which is nice. Like, I I mean I hope I I hope they don't think of me as like a lazy bum because I don't have like regular working hours you know um, I know my parents like know that I work hard so that's nice. We don't talk about this if you don't want to. Yeah. But are are there any ways that you're finding to deal with like the current political climate with your art? Oh, with my art. I was going to tell you, reading reading many fantasy novels. I have, like, ceased to read things that enrich my brain. It's like yeah. It's yeah. like, is there a dragon in it? <laughs> yes. I'm going to read it. Um, art, art, art. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I think I, I got into this because I want to create connection between people. And even though sometimes TV and film seems like a roundabout way of doing that, because in theater it's like more of an immediate, you know, you feel the audience there with you. I think ultimately TV and film, the reason they're so successful is because they do create connection. And so um, to me, like, the current political climate is exactly why I insist on being an artist because to be honest like I'm I work my butt off and if I wanted to make six figures I could just go get a job that made six figures (laughs) it's yeah it's actually not that hard I'm like there are plenty of you guys would just freaking go on like what's that thing idealist or whatever like you know, and just go get a job that made a crap ton of money. Like, that's not that hard. So being in this, I think um, my writing has a lot to do with what I want to say about that of, um, you know, it comes out like, like my Patronus comes out. It's like inevitably, it, it like social things get talked about. Inevitably, women's rights gets talked about when I'm writing. And that feels really good. Um, I've, I'm also lucky that, like, for example, I just narrated an audiobook that, um, I don't know if I'm, like, allowed to say the name, but it, it was, like, it's a nonfiction, and it's all about um, people at the border migrating, and so, like, getting to do stuff like that is so touching to me. I, I was, like, crying, and I'm, I'm like, reading the freaking book itself, I'm, like, freaking out. Yeah, I mean, there are those, too, you know, but... Um, but it's nice to know that like the crappy romance novels are what help like pay the bills maybe, but like I also get to do this in the mix and that means a lot to me. It means a lot. It's like real people's stories, you know, and that's huge, you know. And um, I think also this might sound a little like 
vague, but I think like, especially recently, I've been working on a lot of like melding my spirituality with my art and just realizing like, if my purpose is to create connection between humans and to let all humans know that they're worthy and they have value no matter who you are, or where you are. And even if you're like, I believe that in everything having value, you know, like the rocks and mosquitoes, cause they're going extinct guys, you know, like, and they're important for ecosystems. And I believe in all that. And so I've been trying to kind of meld that in my own like personal practice, not that other people are going to see that, but I think like for my own spiritual growth and now more than ever with the political climate, it's become important to me to be like, look, I gotta, in auditions, find a way to connect with human beings because that's what I want to do in my art. And if I can't do it in my life and just like lift my head up on the train and look at someone or like, like the other day, it's like stupid little things once again, but like the other day I was standing on the platform and I could see the conductor of the train and I just like waved at him and smiled. And he was so surprised. He was like, uh, you know, cause we don't do that anymore. It's so, we're so weird now. So just doing little things like that or like walking into an audition room. And when they say like, how are you being like, I'm freaking great, dude. You called me in. Like what? You- I'm awesome. You know what I mean? Like, and not just being, oh, I'm fine. You know? It's like little things like that, pushing myself to just be present and gracious because especially in this political climate, reading some of these stories, especially like fresh in my mind, like the comfort that we have is ridiculous and people die to try to get into this country, you know, even with all its faults. So how dare I like... I mean, I'm still going to binge Netflix now and then, but you know, like I try to, like, I've been trying to like really bring that presence and hold myself accountable because my other thought is like, isn't that the point anyway? The point is to like make the world better. And if I'm only like going to make it better from like, you know, call time till they let me off set, like that doesn't make any sense, you know? So I guess what I'm trying to say in an extremely long-winded fashion is that the current political climate has been kind of like a call to action to myself, to my own spirituality, to just really like be a freaking human being, you know? I love that. And it's so easy to want Thank to you. Out. Yeah. I mean, and I, I do. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Um, I love that tangent just because you mentioned auditions. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you feel like you've really learned or really changed about the way you approach auditions since getting out of school? Oh, shoot. Besides just trying to be more human. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, I don't always succeed at. Um, I have been taking on camera classes that have really changed how I even just analyze a text. And um, I feel like half the journey is unlearning all the things that I learned and just going back to like being a free spirit, you know, when I had like no recognition (laughs) and just was myself and somehow that was good enough and got me far enough. I know. And that, that's kind of him. Yeah. And truth be told, that spark is, I think, more than we're ever told. Like, that's that thing that I want all beings to know that they're valuable right. is that freaking spark. That's the thing. Like, no one cares, <laughs> really. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But yeah, training is a fine thing. Um, and for what we do. I'm not putting down training for doctors or like (laughs) rocket scientists. Um, And so that, and also playing the long game. um, I've gotten more patient. I've gotten more, like, I'm just more present to the fact that when I go in for an audition, I'm going, or when I submit an audition or whatever it is, I'm representing myself as an artist. And, you know, this comes and goes, like, there are good days and bad days, but when I'm in the flow and on my best days, it's like, 
what, what, what do I like about this? What do I want to say about this? You know? And, um, again, I think I used to do that before training just because that was the human that I was. And I think like most children are, you know, um, and then training happened. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that, and, uh, this is a recent thing for me, but, um, I have a lot of resentment towards like being a woman in this industry. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I've been saying like, I've been getting my groove back because I think for a while I was just like, I need to be dressed practically, like screw this. If I can't do my makeup in 10 minutes, like no, you know, I'm like, I'm not paying for this crap. Like my hair is going to be whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is like recently I was going to get new headshots and I said to my agent, like, and he's a new agent. I'm like, what, you know, what do you need? (laughs) And he's like, look, you need a sexy shot. Like, it can be whatever is sexy for you, but I just need a shot that's like sexy Inez. And I had to give him credit. I'm like, he is unfortunately correct, <laughs> you know? And I've had, um, I, I just have a lot of resentment towards that. And I've had to come back to like going back to my 15 year old self where I'd like spend an hour, you know, curling my hair and like testing out new makeup and whatever, like, I, I've just gone through waves with that. I went through like five years. I didn't, I like wouldn't put on nail polish, you know, just cause it's like so much easier not to, you know? And then one day my husband was like, I've never seen you with nail polish. And we've been together for eight years. And he was like, I'm just, he's like, I'm just curious. And you don't have to, like, I just want to know, like, why don't you? And I was like, ah, eh, chemicals, screw that. Like whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm like, what the frick? I don't like, I, you know, I wasn't born that way. <laughs> and and then I myself got curious. I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder what that's like. And then I painted my nails one day, and I was like, oh, this was so relaxing, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. There's also, like, so I've been kind of, like, taking ownership again of some of those things and also just, like, being aware. Like, I still chose to be an actor. Like, I could go be a scientist if, and, and, like, you know, research whales or something. I don't know that if you're diving, you need to have makeup on, you know? So, like, I have to take responsibility and be accountable for, like, I said I freaking wanted to be on screen. Like, what the hell did I think was going to happen? You know, so I don't even remember what the original... I mean, we were talking about auditions, but... Yeah. It is a fine line between, like, presenting yourself in some sort of way that makes you feel like yourself. Yes. And playing the game enough. Yeah. And it's weird, because then I had this weird weird shame, because I did my hair for an audition the other day, and I was like... (laughs) look at these, there's no frizz here. Look at this. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I know I have very frizzy hair, by the way. So that was like a freaking success. And yeah, I was like, oh man, you're like part of the machine, man. You enjoyed, you know, and it's that fine line of like, like you said, same thing with like, you know, I think it comes up too with like, um, physical attraction and all that, you know, like, when you're networking and like obviously someone came up and talked to you because they think you're good looking or something or whatever it is, you know, and it's like that fine line of how much do you play. And so anyway, I've been trying to kind of embrace all of that when I go to auditions and I've been doing my prep differently because of this class that I've been in, which, um, requires letting go and I'm a control freak. So that is extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) But, um, I just had my first audition in a long time where I like really got to test this out and I mean, it didn't go as expected. So I think that was the point. <laughs> so what, what's the difference in the way you prep? Um, that I really just prep, um, understanding what the story is and I don't really rehearse. Like I, I used to like sit down by myself and like do some lines and like, okay, what does this mean? Whatever. And for a while I got into like, oh, well it's camera. So I have to like change the picture. So let me rehearse how I'm going to change the picture. Like maybe I'll, you know, touch my nose here. Maybe I'll run my hand through my hair here, whatever. And that still pops up in my brain. But this new technique that I'm trying has been about just kind of trusting that that'll happen organically when 
yeah, when you get what's going on between the two people, you know, so like just now, you know, like I'm doing a hand gesture right now, but it's natural. So it, my prep has been less about controlling the moment of what the image is going to look like and more about like just digging as much as possible you know what are these people saying to each other what's going on here um is like okay did this just happen is that good is that bad is it everything all at the same time you know and just really understanding the story inside and out and of course I still like fumble like I don't know the reader was on the other side of the camera and I like lost my shit but (laughs) but so it's a work in progress but that's changed um I've never prepped like that before yeah Yeah. Um, again, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. But since you and your husband are both artists, mm-hmm. how have you guys dealt with being in a relationship with someone else who's <laughs> <laughs> um, in the same field as you? Differently. You the same issues? Yeah. Differently each day. Well, everything's got its pros and its cons. I don't, is your husband, your husband's an artist, yeah. So then I want to hear how you guys do it. But, um, yeah, um, sometimes it's great because we'll help each other do auditions, you know, and that's amazing. He's better than me at knowing that there's a life outside of acting and, and trusting the process. So really, like, I think part of the reason why I fell in love with him is that he helps me be just more spontaneous and present. And I think we're both really on the same page that like being good or our best versions is the most important thing. So I don't know. I don't know how it would be to be with not an artist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How about you? What do you guys do? I mean, we try to focus on the fact that we're a team. Yeah. Anything, anything that's good for one of us is good for both of us. Yeah, that's a big thing. <laughs> and cuddles work. Cuddles freaking work. Yeah, I mean, like he's always mostly just because he loves me so much, but he's always talking to me about talking about me to other people. Mm. Anyone he meets, I meet, and vice versa. Like we're both really mutually best. That's characters. awesome. I really. Like said, it's nice. It's nice that we understand exactly what the other person is going through. Yeah. And then at the same time, the frustration is that like we have the same frustrations, and when we're both frustrated at the same time, it's tough. Yeah. That's that's the other thing. Our rule is that it's it's like only one of us. If one of us is going to the dark side, only one of us is allowed to. Go to the, dark side. <laughs> <laughs> the other one needs to be <laughs> holding down the fort. Oh my gosh. And helping the other one back out. Yeah. yeah. And now you guys have the baby. So what's yeah, what's different with that? Like, how do you... I mean, she's just incredible. She's brought us so much joy. It's just, I think it's just more pressure on the practical of wanting to have the, the genetic. Yeah. That, it just makes it harder to not always know where the paycheck's coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's about to come back from his first out-of-town gig, so he has... Nice, okay. He's kind of the better side of the show. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's... We would not do that again anytime soon unless it was for something really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. That's... I'm taking notes because we've been talking about, you know, how do we start a family? How does that work? And so kudos to you guys. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, I mean... Um, we are, we are always talking about like the businesses that we want to start outside of acting. So yeah, um, we haven't done any of them yet, (laughs) but, um, but we want to, and I, and I love that he's very like in tune with, he's like, yeah, like we'll, we'll have other things on the side that don't depend on acting to get us money eventually, you know? And I really respect, you know, that he has this, all this knowledge, like we always talk about, um, 
just like dream like we're just dreamers I don't know I don't know that we would even survive if we like tried to get a nine to five like (laughs) we just don't we just are always dreaming together and that just like helps us immensely I think yeah Absolutely, yeah. That typing or branding or whatever has been something I've worked on a lot that ultimately I think gave me a lot more confidence when I, not so much in, in the audition room, but more like in conversation when I'm like networking and stuff. It's made me much more uh, just like concise about where I fit into the industry and how that could work or whatever it is. So, like taking of yeah. Yeah. So it should be said that I'm I'm very light skinned and most people think I'm like Arabic or Italian or I get every I've gotten everything except for where I'm actually from. I'm not even kidding. No one's ever guessed Dominican Puerto Rican because I'm so light skinned and people here think like Dominicans are only dark skinned. And really people will come up to me and be like Asalam Alaikum or like whatever like I get everything like Greek, Jewish, everything. Um And so that's interesting (laughs) because there's, I think every casting has its issues, you know, or like it's, uh, yeah, like it's the part where you're boxed in, you know? So, you know, my name is Inez Del Castillo and I was told like, man, that's good. You you shouldn't have a, so when I went to go become SAG, my first last name is Garcia, but there was another Inez Garcia damn her and so they didn't let me do Inez Garcia and they were like you need a new name and I was like ah and I just went with my second last name because I have both last names and I was like all right Inez Del Castillo and a few people were like man you should have picked something more like gringo and I was like I didn't have time to think like that's my actual name that's part of my name and you know even that like people have been like have you thought about changing your name and I'm like no no, I refuse. <laughs> like, no, this is my name. I just don't know how else. I don't think I would respond to another, like, I don't know. So, again, my hard-headedness came in. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's, like, certain boundaries that I cannot cross. And one of them is, like, making myself, like, Jenny Diaz because that might be more appealing to a non-Spanish speaker. No, nothing wrong with anybody named Jenny Diaz, but just that's not my name, you know? And so that was like the first thing, you know? And so I come across this a lot because it's like, again, I'm very fluent and not everybody in the Spanish speaking community is. And that's um, kind of misunderstood because especially when you're doing casting in Spanish, most of the time people casting are still the normal people that would cast. So they don't speak Spanish. They have no idea. Like, I, I was at a, a callback the other day, and this guy um, who was white and just happened to be, like, pretty fluent in Spanish, but not totally fluent, before the callback, and they asked for just completely fluent people, which already was like, dude, really? But before we went in, he's like, oh, by the way, I don't, like, I, I might not be able to follow you because they're going to ask us to improv, and, like, I speak... Yeah, and he's like, I speak, but I'm not, like, totally fluent. And I'm like, you mofo, like, why'd you... It says it in the freaking breakdown, but that happens a lot. But that happens a lot. Not not that I'm dependent on the other person, but that that people that don't actually aren't actually fluent kind of make it in. That's fair. That's fair. But on the same token, it's like know your limitations. Yeah, know your limitations because now you you're screwing me, and you could have just been honest, you know. And so um, anyway, so we go in. And the guys, the director guy is like, oh, uh, can you do this in a Spanish accent? And I'm like, no one would, like, that's awful. Speak the Spanish? Yeah, with a Spanish accent from Spain. And to us, that's like saying, like, say you just went into, like, a casual commercial callback and they randomly were like, hey, could you do an Irish accent? And you'd be like, no. Like, why? You didn't say this before. So, I mean, I'm sure it's that's happened before in English-speaking 
auditions. But the point just being that that's like one factor is that like a lot of people don't expect me to speak Spanish because I am light skinned. A lot of things that I see on TV that fit with like what people think Latinos look like, those people are speaking with an accent and it's very frustrating to like native speakers or again, like they might be a native speaker, but they might just not be fully fluent. They might've spoken at home, but not be like at a working level. And so that's like a weird taboo in our community because it's like, it's frustrating because there's so many Latino actors who even have an accent in English. So why don't you just give it to one of them who speak more Spanish than English, you know, then again, because I'm light skinned, I don't really fit in necessarily with what people are imagining as, um, Latino, but then, you know, I would feel weird taking a Middle Eastern role or like something else that somebody like maybe not so much with something European because there would be less like um, like uh, what's it called? Like socio geopolitical things wrapped up in it because like Europe is a superpower. <laughs> so it, it gets more complicated, obviously, with like countries that are n- not on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's happened, but actually the opposite that I've, for better or for worse, like I, I do feel shame around this, but I feel like I've um, like been party to like racism in different ways and just have like shut my mouth and focused on getting the work done. Or like, um, like I've been questioned on that same thing. Like I I had somebody be like, well, you don't look Latina, you look white. So like, what am I supposed to do with you and stuff like that? And I'm like, obviously, if you said that to me, like on the street, I'd be like, I don't need to deal with you again. But yeah, exactly. And so like, again, like for better or for worse, because on the one hand, I'm like, well, you do want to get ahead. But on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but that's what you could say with, like, people turning their head the other way with, like, sexual stuff, you know? So, like, yeah. I feel kind of shameful about that sometimes. Um, and I hope with time, like, I can forgive myself, I guess, because I can't change it at this point. But um, that's happened. I've I've had friends that have advocated for themselves being, like, I'm not going to do this with a, like, stereotypical di- di- dialect. Um things like that. I generally like, I try to be as authentic as I can. Like I'll come in and just talk like this, you know? And, and if somebody wants to be like, cause again, like this is the other thing is that they'll be like, Oh, you talk white or, um, Oh, can they be more Hispanic? I'm like, well, what do you mean, dude? Like Hispanic from where, man? And they don't freaking know. But I'm like, are you talking like Bronx? Are you talking like my mom? Like, cause I had one manager, I didn't end up signing with them, but they were, I, I was doing in my reel, like my mom's accent. And my mom is like, like she talks like, I always say she, she's like Sofia Vergara before Sofia Vergara, you know, my mom's a total badass, but she has a very thick accent. And, you know, I grew up with that accent and I was like super offended. Cause this guy was like, oh, well that's not a very good accent. Is it? I was like, yo don't tell me that I don't know how to do my mom's accent, you know? And then when I walked away, I was like, oh, I I hope you didn't think that I thought that that was like a Bronx accent. But that's the thing is like, there's not like clear ways of talking about it. Yeah, I'm like, no, like, so people don't, aren't clear about like, oh, this is a recent immigrant or like, this is a second or third generation. Like, they don't know what that means, you know? So like, I've, I've advocated a bit in that sense where I'll like ask them to clarify, you know? And, and Yeah. Yeah, but it's still overwhelmingly white. And I've also advocated, like, I had a, I've had a, more than one person tell me, like, oh, we don't know where to put you, and your name's super ethnic, but your look isn't, and all this. But then I always, I'm, I'm in that camp that's like, you know, you're, you're too white for the people of color, but you're too dark for the white people. Like that's been my whole life. You know, it's like, you're not white. You're definitely not in our group, but you're, you're also like not really what we expect of a person of color. And so I've also had that where like, I told people like, look, submit me for the white roles too, 
Because of course, uh, like unfortunately for whatever it may be, like politically, it's like when I book a white role or like, you know, a role that was labeled as white, it's like I'm sticking it to the man. It doesn't work the other way around. If a white person books a role that was supposed to be for a person of color, you just disenfranchise someone, you know? And so that's another thing that I've advocated for. Yeah. <laughs> so, are there any tangible things that you reach for again and again if you do throw yourself more into a dark side? Like books, movies, or music, or something like that? Yeah. Um, I exercise. I love exercise. I really like exercising. <laughs> um, so, I'll do that. Um, uh, walking outside in the parks, I like, or going down to my parents and going hiking. Mm-hmm. I call it, everybody calls it like Inez's woods. Like, you know, there's like my woods, you know? Um, yeah. Just getting out, um, looking at the stars at night, honestly, like the other night it was like me and my brother and a beer and the telescope. And I was like, freaking amazing. You know, like, it's just like, it's the simplest things y'all. Um, going back to again and again is journaling, or like I, I'm a big believer in affirmations and the law of attraction. So like writing out what it is, but something I tell myself a lot is like everything always works out for me. Like it's fine. This is a bad moment, but everything always works out. You know, the other one I love is like I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be good enough. You know, um, I am the exception to every rule in this industry. It's just, like I just tell my and thank God I've been doing it enough now that like I start to go there and my brain will just like fire off. Like everything always works out for me. I've, I'm like Pavlovian where now where I go running because I don't do music anymore. I do affirmations. First thing that comes into my head is I am pure positive energy. As soon And literally like I'll walk out with my shoes on and my brain is already like firing off. Um, and I, I don't have like media that I go back to. Uh, I, I mean, there's music that I listen to, but I haven't, I've kind of lost the habit of like just listening to music I should do that more um I there's not like one thing I do but I'll just like find a show or a book that just like takes me away yeah there's you know it, like books are literally make my life just <laughs> happier I'm not like and I'll just like search around I'll be like okay I, I constantly have books on hold at the library. It's just it's just like a thing. I'm like, for my own mental health, I constantly need, like, I, I thrive when I have, like, three or four books, like, in queue, you know, and, like, more on my bookshelf. So I know, like, and if a book's not doing it for me, I don't like to read more than one book at a time, but if it's not doing it for me, I will. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it in the end, but I'll, like, find one that'll touch my my heart in the moment. <laughs> and the final question is, is there anything you want to recommend of any art form that you've seen recently? Oh. Oh my. Man, this is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I love the book. Okay. I love the dragon prince. Um, it's on Netflix. It's freaking amazing. Um, I just started watching avatar, the last airbender. If you see a theme, it's there. I love cartoons. Um, Everybody swears by Avatar. Uh, I'm just starting out, so I don't know yet. And book-wise, I just... I'm I'm reading this series. The first one's called The Invisible Library, and that has been my my drug of choice recently. That's, like, super fun. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I think I'm on book, like, five now. And, And you know what? I should say... I didn't even like the first book that much because it felt very like stilted and it was like a lot of exposition, I feel like, but it's worth it because she's setting up everything and then, (laughs) and then it's just like, like witty fun and banter. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm sad. I don't have a play to recommend. (laughs) Thanks for having me. If you 
find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. Anything you can get would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.